My name is Jason Salomi and this is Perfection, an athlete's perspective. Today we have a really special guest, Rory Smith. He's an all-rounder for Glamorgan in Scotland. He's been playing cricket for pretty much his whole life. Born in Scotland, grew up in Wales. Rory, welcome to the show, man. Uh, nice to be here. And uh, nice to be a special guest, first one. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so I just want to ask you quickly, how did you discover cricket and who introduced it to you? Um, so my kind of my old man, my dad played when he was growing up. Um didn't kind of play a huge amount when he was older but he kind of introduced me to the game when I was young and I was kind of between cricket and golf because he played a lot of golf as well when I was younger and so mm-hmm. I kind of had to make a choice when I was about six or seven because they're both summer sports so he kind of said well you got to choose one or the other and at that point I was enjoying my cricket a lot so I chose cricket so I think we just went from there really and I've kind of just played ever since. Nice and do you still play golf now? Uh, so I gave it. So I didn't play when I was younger, obviously, because I was playing so much cricket through the summer. I didn't play a huge amount, but then I took it back up when I was eighteen, and now mm. it's sort of it's either I'm either on the cricket pitch or on the golf course. So it's a nice way to distract myself. Yeah, that's great, man. It's awesome. Um, so today, if you don't mind, I want to talk to you about a few things. Um, I want to talk to you about sort of injuries and sort of how they take the toll on you mentally, physically. I want to talk about recovery um, because obviously you're, you're a bowler as well as a batsman. So it's, it's got to be quite a toll on you and just maintaining focus. And that's uh, something that I, I kind of struggle with in my sport, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right. Awesome. So I've always tried to sort of get better as an athlete. I, I, I take pride in finding different ways to get better. And I think the best way to do this is, isn't just staying within my sport and talking to people that, I play with and do what I do. Um, I enjoy talking to people like yourself who are, you know, professionals in other sports and, and sort of learn about a few transferable skills. And I know, you know, I was, I was doing a bit of research on yourself and I see you've had quite a few injuries. Was there sort of a theme with, with your injuries? I know you had a, a stress fracture in 14 and a few hamstring injuries in, in 015. And was there a certain theme with these injuries or was it just um, sort of wear and tear? I'm not sure there's been too kind of the main theme has been they've all been while I've been bowling so I've never never really injured myself like running or I think I just get my finger catching a ball once but it wasn't that was a outside thing yeah but everything else has really been while I've been bowling and it's such a strange movement that I don't think anyone's bodies are really built to bowl um, yeah. especially at top end speed so it's basically been Mostly barring that, um, those, I had two stress fractures in my foot just from impact in 2014-2015. Yeah. So I had two back-to-back. Apart from those, they've all been just random throughout my body. So I've, I've, strained, I've torn calf muscles, I've torn hamstrings, I've torn sides, obliques. Uh, pec, I did my pec last year, my groin, elbow issues. So it's they've all been kind of spread out. And I think I've maybe done... My hamstring twice but apart from that they've all been and maybe my groin twice but they've been years and years apart they've all been separate issues um, yeah but mo- i think most of them are theme going through a lot of them are, have been fatigue issues so as i've got through long days and come to like the end of spells that's when mm-hmm. i've kind of done muscle injuries and they've never really been massive ones barring yeah. i think one was a real big one 
the others have all been grade one, grade two, and they're just sort of niggling ones where it's you get you get kind of getting going and you kind of you break down, have a little muscle tear, and you've got a couple of weeks off, month off, and then mm-hmm. you kind of got to build up again. So it's I think it's worn on me more mentally than physically in terms of really damaging a body part. It's more upstairs in in the head where it's probably been tougher. Yeah, and, and how does it affect you mentally? What are you sort of thinking when you're recovering sort of strenuous injuries? Yeah, more most of it's frustration because having spent so much time out, having every time you do it again, it's sort of that oh God is not not again. But I think I've been quite lucky that I've always I've had some good people around me, and I've always been. It's maybe lasted a couple of days where I felt a bit sorry for myself and mm-hmm. a bit down, yeah. but. I think I think I've not had too many injuries where I've had to just sit and do nothing. Then I think most of my injuries have actually been I've been able to get straight on and do get into my rehab as soon yeah. as possible. Um, haven't been any long, real long layoffs without being able to do anything. And I think thankfully a lot of the time I've been able to carry on doing other stuff, whether that's batting, playing golf. So I've mm-hmm. kind of I've still been able to keep myself occupied in different ways. So I think that's been. The main thing for me is while I've been rehabbing is trying to work on other areas that I can improve or keep my mind occupied. So this summer when I I had a hamstring injury, I then I went away and I think when I had my calf as well, like I wanted to come back in better shape than I I was when I was injured. So then I went away and I came back from a calf injury and I think my jump scores had improved by three or four centimetres. So I'd gone from awesome. kind of 45 to high 40s if not 50 on mm-hmm. counter movement jumps so I, I kind of always try to get come back in a better shape and learn from it afterwards yeah. on every one which I think has been quite important and it's maybe shown that I've not done and um, not done many injuries again so I'm kind of learning as I go hopefully yeah <laughs> well, I like to think so touch good and, you know, when you're actually in the rehab process, because I know I've, I've taught my meniscus before and it's a pretty lonely injury, it's sort of long days and, you know, you're just recovering sort of by yourself. How do you feel? Yeah, so it's, it kind of gets frustrating. I think it's a bit, I think quite a few of the times I've been injured, there's always tends to be a couple in the squad. There tends to be two or three of us who are rehabbing at the same time. So it's kind of, it makes it a bit better knowing, like when you're not, there on your own just in an empty gym training mm-hmm. there's a couple of other guys kind of doing the same thing and kind of working their way back as well um but that's is kind of the tougher side of things when you're working your way back it feels you're kind of losing ground a little bit but that's i think where having something outside whereas i i kind of have my goal for some other things courses that i'm doing outside outside the game where it's they're kind of really useful in terms of just keeping my mind occupied and I'm not just sat sat at home kind of all I can think about is what I'm missing out on it just kind of takes my mind off it a little bit and I think that that certainly helps with recovery as well because I'm constantly down on the mental side of things I think if you've got a positive positive mindset on it I think it can only help in your recovery that's for sure yeah, definitely. I think, like you say, having stuff outside of your sport really, really helps. And like you said earlier, having good people around you really, really helps. 
so one thing I, I sort of struggled with after I talked about meniscus, I had an issue, I had an issue sort of trusting my body and knowing that it would be able to do exactly what it did before it got injured. Is that something you went through? Yeah, certainly. I think, I think especially this year. So I, I had a, I tore my hamstring. Um, it would have been first, first of August. Um, so I had a grade, wasn't too bad. It was a, it was a minor grade two tear. So there wasn't a huge amount of time out. But obviously, because the season was a lot shorter, I think I basically, I think they were saying it would have been six to eight weeks um, recovery. So that was basically going to be the end of my season, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of looked at, well, what we're going to lose. So if we try and rehab this early, because there's only a minor end of it. And I've spoken to the physios in the SNC. We kind of, we set it out. And I think I came back in four, four weeks, I think. I mm-hmm. think it was pretty much four weeks, five weeks, four and a half weeks. And yeah. it was certainly from the previous year. I'd actually torn my groin and we tried to rehab it too quickly. I think it was worse than we probably thought because I've had a couple of tears and I turn up the next day and they can't get me to feel it. It's sort of yeah. like, or oh, the strength is still there. It's just mm-hmm. that high end. When you get to a real high end bowling, it, that's when it, I kind of tear muscles and I feel it. So anything up till that, like low, low speed strength work, I was, I'd come back and you wouldn't be able to tell I was injured. Mm-hmm. So there was the previous year when I did had that, we tried to rehab my groin very quickly and it almost blew off. I think I was okay. well, strands away from having an operation to stitch my groin back on. So then when we came to it this year, that was, it was certainly a nervous maybe week for me leading up to that game where I kind of knew what my knew my hamstring wasn't that bad and, I knew the strength was there, but when you get into that high-end mm. speed work, whether it's sprinting or bowling, that's when it can really kind of go and go big time. Um, so that was, I think we took a, I think a week building up the speed stuff, and mm. I think it was one one session I think where I I came back from my hamstring and I beat I beat my PB on 20 meter sprint. Excellent. I think it was little things like that where that's kind of me trying to come back better than I left it. But having those little wins along the rehab process, I think certainly it was almost that one session settled my nerves, so yeah. to say, on in terms of how it'd be going into a game. Um, so I think it's just building. I'd almost rather do this the bit at the start and kind of get through that sort of stuff and then when you get into the real high-end stuff almost taking that extra session mm-hmm. to to really trust it and kind of have faith in it because the last thing you want is to go into go into a f- full match situation and yeah it comes down to the last over and you're holding back a little bit because if you've got that feeling of holding back then you're never going to really deliver your skills yeah, yeah, and to, it, to the to the best ability you can. Trust is a big thing, but I think once I had those small targets in my head, where I if I hit this target, I had that confidence in myself that yeah I'll be fine. But it's knowing, and I think that's what I've done over the years, knowing my body well enough to know, and what I'd learned last year when my groin went was knowing 
when it is there when I'm ready and having that and when I, once I hit that point and I know that my body's in a good position I'm ready to play it's just having full trust in it and then if if it happens it happens but having if I don't have that full trust in it going into the match then I might as well not play yeah yeah it's, it is difficult as well especially when you when you're having repeat injuries um because like I said I tore my meniscus but I was speaking to a physio uh, the year before I did it and I actually um, dislocated my ankle when I was 16 playing rugby. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, I was in a, a moon boot for a couple of weeks and what have you. And my my physio was like, you know, have you ever had an injury on your other leg? I was like, oh, yeah, I did my ankle a couple of years ago. But that's nothing to do with it, surely. And I didn't realise at the time that I'd actually been overcompensated in my right leg, which sure my groin went. And then obviously then led to meniscus and a few other injuries it's so difficult to especially when you train a certain way and you're used to training a certain way and getting certain results having to rethink that for sort of longer term success in your career have you ever had any issue sort of rethinking how you train and how how you sleep how you eat and sort of looking to for more success long term yeah so I've done I've I've kind of every year because I've had it's been I think I've had only a couple of years where I've had good injury records so I'm constantly trying to improve what I do um, mm. and over the years I've incorporated more yoga and pilates and I think I'm after this year I'm now going to do even more of that sort of stuff so I'm probably going to look to do at least two or three yoga sessions a week through the winter and carry that on and yeah. I actually brought that into my warm-up before matches and training sessions I kind of spent 10-15 minutes and work through some yoga poses and just sort of like ease my body into it and real really kind of change how I prepped mm-hmm. for matches and kind of be as thorough as I could be in my prep. Um, and also on that, I've actually, I think in March or April, I invested in something called a whoop band. I'm not sure if you've come across that. No, um, I've heard of it. So I think they've, so quite a few of the golfers um, are using them now. Um, and I think they did their initial testing with LeBron James and Michael Phelps in America. Um, okay. But they're essentially, so it's just this little thing on my wrist. Um, so it measures my heart rate and heart rate variability and essentially comes up with a recovery, recovery score and has a little survey that you take every morning. Um, and it tries to piece together... Um, what patterns of behavior you have that lead to poor recoveries, good recoveries, and tries to basically inform your training and recovery and tries to match up days where you have poor recovery in terms of what you did the previous day, how you, Mm. how long you slept for when you went to bed, whether you went to bed early, late, and essentially about trying to maximize performance and also at the same time, hopefully, have some sort of injury prevention in mm-hmm. like in terms of knowing when your body's maybe in a, a poor state and maybe when you got to spend more time warming up and getting into it or maybe holding back slightly at a training session maybe not doing extras or mm-hmm. knowing there's a day where you can maybe do your extras so it's it's trying to learn I basically used it as trying to learn a bit more about my body and yeah trying to help with an injury and and a kind of performance side of things. So kind of always looking for little little bits that I can 
I can do that will help me potentially going into the future. Yeah, exactly. And you you can never stop learning. How you find the yoga so far? I, I used to I used to do it twice a week. It is way more difficult than it looks. How you finding it? <laughs> yeah, well, I was. I think the first time I did it, I was there were a few poses where I was like, I was kind of like had no concept of what my body was doing um, and <laughs> yeah. so I've got no idea what I look like in those first couple of sessions but I think I've been doing it about three years now um, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't say I'm the most flexible person but it's I've, I've certainly got better which is I guess all you can ask for so it's quite interesting we do we do some sessions as a as a squad and we did a bit more through the winter last yeah. winter um, and there's a few other guys who really struggle with it but I think <laughs> And like diff- you guys have different starting points, but I think everyone everyone kind of improved, and maybe some didn't enjoy it as much as others. But I think no. it's certain it's certainly one thing that I wish I'd I'd started when I was kind of younger, when I was sixteen, seventeen, rather than kind of when I was twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, sure. well, at least you started. Um, I wanted to ask you about about bowling because you know you're hitting some pretty some pretty high speeds. And obviously that must put a lot of strain on your shoulder. I play American football and, you know, a lot of QBs, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming because of the action, it's very similar to having, when you bowl, your arm is high. When you throw a foot in American football, your arm is high as well and it comes down sort of across your, across your body. And obviously you're releasing the ball at such high speed. So what does recovery look like for you? And do you go for any sort of strain after bowling? Yeah, so the bowling's actually not too bad on the shoulder. Um, it's the bowling tends to be more like lower back and side. Um, it tends to be the more throwing. So when we field and mm. and throw that comes into the shoulder, and you see a lot a lot of our guys have um, through the top of the shoulders that it's quite sore and it gets quite stiff. And it's something that I've had quite a bit of soreness through my shoulders, but more from fielding, never really from bowling. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's something that actually using the exosuit which i know we both use actually is i found really useful this year fielding because it yeah it sort of gave that little bit of support and i actually really enjoyed really enjoyed using it um mm-hmm. but on top like apart aside from anything in matches it's i've tried to start doing what's called a sleeper stretch where you lie on your side and almost push down on the back of your hand towards oh yeah um back towards your feet um, and you notice the difference and it's probably the same in, court, in baseball and quarterbacks and other throwing sports where my right side my shoulder won't rotate I can't basically get it past 90 degrees very mm. far it gets to maybe 70 whereas on my left side I can almost touch get it all the way to the floor so it's trying to wow. keep doing that and trying to even it out because almost everything we do is so one-sided we I do everything side on so almost our whole bodies are almost like out of out of line and different mm-hmm. sides develop because we don't we use some sides in and not others because we don't even it out we don't do left and right so yeah. then in the gym in the winter trying to even that all out and kind of get our bodies working more together both sides so it's it is something that I think every cricketer is kind of constantly trying to trying to even out, but it's 
it's kind of a work in progress that's for sure but yeah like thankfully so far my shoulders held together so it's got <laughs> it's maybe got another 10 years to 10 years to last and then it can go but is that how long you're looking to play for another 10 years um well i think yeah, fast bowlers i think it's to get past 35 would be a good effort um, yeah whether i may get to that point or not um all depends but mm-hmm. i kind of i'm I think my contract ends next next year, so kind of not really looking too much further than that at the moment. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, while I still while I still enjoy it, I'll I'll keep playing, and while I still feel like I've got ambitions in the game, I'll I'll keep playing. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're both fortunate to be paid to do something that we love to do, so that's always nice. You're also a batsman as well, and one thing I've always been in awe I remember I used to watch cricket quite a lot I went to Lords quite a few times to watch England play and when you stand side on and you look at the wicket from the side you cannot see the ball you can only really see it when you are either stood directly behind the batsman or directly behind the bowler how on earth do you actually play pace because I have no idea how you play it is it is it, is it yes. vision is it vision are you anticipating how do you do it so I think a lot of it's and uh, a little bit is probably anticipation because you got you get a feel as to where the ball is and you kind of get an idea of where the ball is going to bowl. So you kind of you probably visions you're trying to spot the ball in that area a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but I know there's something I've looked at and I think quite a lot of guys just will play and not really realise what they're doing in terms of where they're looking. Mm-hmm. But it's something I I read an article about and I I kind of I found quite interesting in terms of what some of the best the guys at the top of the game do mm-hmm. and a lot of it was so whether people focus while the bowler is running in they focus some focused on looked at the ball others looked at the bowler um but i think some of the most successful people actually they didn't actually look at the ball as the bowler's running in so they'd actually focus on the ball or kind of have a a light focus on the bowler's face yeah. And then as they got into the delivery stride, they then have a strong focus on a box of where the bowler's arm is going to come over. Um, so it would be slightly above and to the left of where the bowler was. Mm. And they'd focus on that, almost a little box where okay. the ball was going to come out of. And they'd almost spot the ball then rather than following the ball while it was low, while the bowler's running in, it's by their waist. Mm. Then when the bowler bowls, they've, their vision's got to go from waist high up to where the bowler's going to release the ball. So in that split second, you probably missed it. Yeah, yeah. In the ball. Whereas going from the face to then that box, it's a smaller gap for your eyes to move to. And you have mm-hmm. your then focus of where the ball's going to be released from. So you can mm-hmm. pick it up earlier and see it. And I reckon quite a few guys will just do that and not realise what they're doing yeah. when they're playing well. And then when they not seeing the ball so well they're picking the ball up late they maybe don't have they don't have that correlation in terms of maybe they're they're looking at a different spot they're focusing on the ball too much or whatever mm-hmm. so it's something that i found interesting in terms of picking the ball up because even like even when guys you see it when guys are bowling into the 90 mile lad kind of getting up to 95 i saw not uh, one of the south african guys in the ipl got up to 156 case which is that's ridiculous. Not far off 100 mile an hour. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And even at that side, like even the best players in the world, like struggle. Yeah. 
it's it's so quick. Like I faced Ollie Stone this year. Wow, he is quick. I kind of barely saw the first ball, and then he bought a reverse swing at Yorker, which cleaned me up second ball. So it was, <laughs> it was a tough one for that, but it's it is tough. But like even even the top guys, when you notice it, when there's real real pace, mm. it, it just it's a different game. It is a different game. Who who would you say is is the the fastest ball you've played and the hardest ball you played? Because I know that's sometimes different. So I actually I faced so when I was a few years ago now I faced Sean Tate while he was playing at Essex. Oh yeah, he's um, quick. <laughs> and we managed we we managed to get like set up a quite a green hard pitch and it was mm. flying through. It. And I was thinking, why have we done this? They've got guys all in <laughs> early nineties. Yeah, and we've got our Chris bowlers at like eighty five, eighty six, or something. I'm thinking, why, why have we, why have we like produced a, one of the quickest wickets <laughs> in Cardiff? Normally, it's normally at Cardiff, it's kind of slow and low, and some and a lot of the time, and we've given them green quick one. And I was sat in the dugout, and the ball, the guy before me, um, got bowled, and just all I see is his middle stump doing three or four cartwheels as it goes to the keeper. So I'm walking <sighs> out there going. Jesus, this could be a little bit tricky. Uh, I think I, I basically, I was, I didn't really move my feet much. I kind of sat myself, and all I was trying to tell myself was keep my head still, keep my head yeah. still, and I've got a chance to kind of see the ball. And um, he nearly took my head off, but I think I survived, Jesus. and I actually, I ended up kind of with a few runs at the end. So I didn't do too badly, but yeah, that was probably the quickest I've faced. Yeah. Uh, best ball, best baller I've faced. It's a tough one. I face like weirdly one one of the bowlers who's who's caused county batsman nightmares. A guy called David Masters. Okay. But he bowl about the high seventies maybe, but he yeah. just nibble it around on a green top at Essex. And it, oh, he's I tricky. I faced, I've only faced I only faced one spell off him. I can when I was I think I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. And I, Barely laid, a, barely laid a bat on him. <laughs> and the other thing, he was getting so frustrated as I played and missed everything. But there's a few guys like that who have caused chaos around the county circuit over the years. There's another one called Darren Stevens, who's, I think he's he's caused many a batsman a few nightmares over the years, just bombing 75, high 70s. Yeah. And he just kind of like swings them both ways, bit of nibble, and he picks up 50 wickets a year or something. Brilliant. So he's always near the top of the <laughs> top of the mark. So it's not always the quick guys who do the damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's those those sort of guys who just become masters at what they do, and they're so good at it. There's just there's not really much you can do against this. It. It's quite difficult. Also, you know, I understand cricket is is a tactical game um, as well. You know, so when you're when you've got a, a tricky batsman, how do you set the field? Do you set the field based off? Film analysis based off what your captain's been telling you, or based off feel. Yeah, so so we'll like we get a lot of videos. Sort of basically every ball off ever bowling, Evans ever bowling county cricket in the last since I've been playing is is filmed. Um, mm-hmm. So we get a lot. There's a a lot of footage out there uh, to go through. So we'll do. We'll kind of have like a little recap before games on different players. Um, in longer form cricket, it doesn't change huge amount. There's maybe a little comment here and there on when on how people are getting out or where they're strong, um, mm. but it tends to come more in the shorter forms when guys are being uh, 
doing funny things like flipping over their heads going over the keeper or hitting weird parts of ground mm-hmm. um, so that's where it tends to come more into it so the fielder will tend to fi- fine leg will be the one you kind of fiddle around with so if guys will scoop or lap um, yeah. if they're known to lap that fine leg will just go straight out whereas if guys tend to stand and hit pass, try and hit over your head a bit more that you mm-hmm. maybe bring fine leg up so it's it's, it's very minor things um, and also depends on what you're trying to do as a bowler like what ball you're trying to bowl you'll set your field and where you're trying to get the batsman to hit you um, yeah hopefully to their their weaknesses rather than their strengths so it's it's kind of it's it kind of matches up a few different things um also the pitch as well if it's a slow pitch and you're kind of bowling into it and you'd maybe have a slightly different field than if it was a real good wicket where the batsman can just hit straight through it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of marrying up those three things, really. The batsman, where they're strong, where you're trying to personally bowl the ball and where your strengths are, and then also the pitch and kind of combining those three things. And sure. you probably then set your field and your captain will have his, basically, where where he thinks as well, looking mm-hmm. at all of those as well. He'll tend to look at the batsman on the pitch and have his ideas where he wants his field. And that's then where you as the bowler come into it and you kind of speak about what you're trying to do. Mm. And then you'll kind of marry them all up and kind of set your field from there, really. It's kind yeah. of a bit of everything. We talk a lot as bowlers, so I'll talk to the other three or four steamers, whatever, and working for them and we'll kind of all be talking all the way through the game and um, what's working and what's maybe not working. So Nice. So you, you basically, you start, you might start off with a plan, you might just keep going and it might just change throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, you always got to be ready, especially in T20 cricket, that maybe if something's not worked first up, you'll be real quick on changing. Cause if you don't change as quickly as possible, you, the game's over and done before you know it. So mm. it's kind of always been adaptable. Well, well, Rory, man, I've I've really enjoyed the discussion. Um, what what I'm going to take away and sort of look to apply to my game. I really liked when you spoke about having just so much trust in your rehab because you know you've put the work in and you've done what you need to do. And you know if it goes, it goes. But you can't help that. So I re- I really like that that sort of mindset. Um, all right, guys. Well, you know you can find Rory on Twitter and Insta at Rory Smith on on Twitter and Instagram. Rory, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, I'll speak to you soon.